welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. I'm going to talk to you today on the subject, the five basic principles to obtaining God's dream. If you have a pencil and paper, pen and paper, I really encourage you to make notes here on these five principles. Write them down, tuck them in your Bible, and keep them there. They will work for every person, regardless of who you are, where you're from, or what you do. At any given time in life, they will work for you. The basic five principles to obtaining God's dream. You say, God dreams? Well, I don't know of a better way to say that God has a plan and an idea in mind for blessing his children. How many of you think God loves you? If, you? if you wonder about that, just look at the price he paid to get you. And God wants you blessed. When Pastor called me and asked me if I could, if I could share with you folks today, he was particularly interested in helping you to be blessed in your financial life. There are three areas of human need. We are a spirit living in a body, dwelling in a materialistic world. Jesus shed his blood to save our soul, our spirit, that took care of the spiritual. He bore stripes on his back to heal us in our physical body that took care of our bodies. And he became poor that we through his poverty might become rich. That has to do with the material side of life. How rich does God want us? Well, I'm going to read some scripture. Before I do, I want to tell you a funny that I heard last week. Two old folks, a couple, sitting together said to his wife, you know, honey, I have always wanted to go up in a helicopter. I have never done it, and I'm getting to the place now in age where if I don't go ahead and do it, I'll never get it done. She said, yeah, but it costs 50 bucks, and 50 bucks is 50 bucks. He said, yeah, I know, but you know, I put it off for a long time. He said, I'm going to go out to the airport and talk to the man and see what I can work out. So they did, and the pilot said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you and your wife both will go up with me, and if you can take the entire trip I'm going to give you and never open your mouth and say a word, when we come back down to the ground, you'll have a free trip. Cost you nothing. If you say anything, it'll be 50 bucks. They said, we think we can do that, so they went up. The pilot did all the tricks he had ever learned, and he was an ace helicopter pilot. He did rolls. He did a backflip. He did straight fast ups and straight fast downs, and not a peep, not a word out of either one of them. He finally got to the ground, looked at the man sitting beside him. His wife had been in the back, and he said, you know, I've been doing this a lot of times, and you're the only persons ever 
that never opened your mouth and said a word. The old man spoke up and said, well, I almost did up there when Amy fell out, but 50 bucks is 50 bucks. <laughs> Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. <laughs> when times are tight, amazing things <laughs> can come to pass. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, read down through verse 6. God said, at the end of every seven years, you're to make a release. This is the way the release will work. Every creditor that lends anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor. Don't make him pay it when it comes to this third year because it is called the Lord's release. Everybody say the Lord's release. In other words, it's God that dreamed up the idea of getting people out of debt. That's what he wanted. He wanted his people free from debt. Well, your mind may run to the poor lender who has to abide by this rule saying, what about me and my losses? Well, on down further in this chapter, God said, if you do what I tell you to, like I say to do it, I will let the buck stop up here and I won't let you be the loser. Can anybody say amen, amen and believe that? Now let's read further. God said in verse 3, there is a difference if he's not my child. If he's a foreigner, an outsider, a non-covenant person, you can make him pay. But whatever is yours in your hand with your brother, you hand, your hand shall release it. God is saying if he's in the family, I want him free from debt. How many see that? Save when there shall be no poor among you. Or you could say it this word. Until the time when you don't need this law anymore because nobody is having to borrow, there are not, he equates borrowing and poor in the same category. Watch this. Until the time when there's no poor among you. You won't need this release rule once you reach that place. For the Lord God shall bless you in the land which the Lord gives you for an inheritance to possess it. I want to bless you and will do it to the point where every one of you will rise above the borrowing lifestyle and nobody will have to be borrowers. You will all be in position to be lenders. Can you say, uh-huh? Then he said, only if you carefully hearken to the voice of the Lord to observe to do all these commandments that I command you. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised. You shall lend, you shall not borrow. You shall reign over others, they shall not reign over you. In other words, you will be in control, they will be under control. So the bottom line is, if you're the borrower, you are under control. If you're the lender, you are in control. Can anybody understand that? Now, let's talk about God's dream for his children. He clearly stated in verse 4 that he wanted his people to come to a time when nobody had to borrow money anymore. Everybody was in position to be a supplier instead of just reaching out to OPM, other people's money. You have your own money to operate out of. Can you see this in here? This is God's dream 
that I call it his dream for his children in the financial realm. Now notice he did not dream this for the general public. He dreamed this for his own children. It's not applicable, he said, to outsiders. If they're outsiders, you can make them pay. If they're my children, I want them dismissed from the debt. I'll bless those that dismiss them with abundance, and I will release those that are in debt and take them out of captivity and bondage. How many of you know that debt is a form of captivity and bondage? I'm going to need some water. Somebody will get it for me. Now, let me give you a New Testament statement that summarizes God's dream for his children. Ah, oh, there it is. I didn't see it. I'm sorry, Cole. Thank you. And this is located in 3 John 2. And you that are Bible students know it. Beloved, who's he talking to? The beloved. That's his children, right? I wish above all things that you prosper and that you be in health just as your soul prospers. That's spiritual, that's physical, and that's material. The price is paid for all of it. And Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of poverty, which God equates with being the borrower. Now, I'm going to talk more about that a little bit later, but let's get into the principles. I'm 72 years old now. I've been preaching 53 years. I've studied this Bible all of those years and preached it all of those years. If God said it, I believe it, and I practice it according to the limits of my understanding. Never had I ever heard anybody preach the things that I'm going to share with you here this morning. But I saw it almost as a pictorial view sitting on an airplane one day a few years back after all the things I've learned it came together collectively in these five basic principles. So I don't have time to go into all the scriptures with you. Will you believe me if I just quote them for you? Number one, principle number one, get a job. Now, why is, did you know that you cannot use the principles of sowing and reaping and giving and circumvent the law of working and become prosperous? It is required that Jesus Christ himself said, my father works hitherto and I work. None of us are above the basic fundamental ground principle of working. Do you know how many of you believe in the law of seed time and harvest? My son-in-law, my, my grandson Sandino is sitting here and, and uh, he's growing some tomatoes and he was commenting on the way over here how those tomatoes just, he planted just a few little seeds and he's got these plants and now he's putting on several tomatoes and in each tomato is like 30 some odd seeds. And he's just, you know, going on, kind of relating it, you know, to the seed time and harvest process. I said, isn't it amazing how everybody believes in the laws of nature, seed time and harvest, get back what you sow. But very few people can have that kind of confidence in the God who created nature. That if I give to him, he counts it as a seed. And you know, the good thing about it is, doesn't much matter who I give it to or what it is I'm giving 
And it doesn't even matter whether they're using it right or wrong. That is not my problem. I sow and I, and I reap because it's the law of harvest and it works. Did you know that'll even work for a hardened criminal? If he goes out and starts growing a garden, it'll work for him. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Don't anybody be deceived. That's what happens. Now, when it comes to a job, here's why I point this out. God's word is very clear. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't have any promise to get to eat. Thank God for the laws of mercy that let people eat, that go on, you know, programs that provide. Many of them need it. A lot of them don't. Many of them take advantage of, but you know, either way, whether you deserve it or don't deserve it, if you're on welfare, you're only going to get so much. Prosperity is not in view for you. Prosperity is when you have enough for yourself and able to provide for somebody else. And you have no debt on your own personal possessions. Real prosperity is interesting. But then let me take just another word about this work principle. You know what work is? It is seed time and harvest in its most elementary fundamental form. You are taking your time, your mentality, your talent, your physical abilities, your muscle, and you're using it to help somebody else get what they want. Is that right? And you, in turn, expect to get something you want, a paycheck. Now, I've been amused in times past. I've had people say, you shouldn't give to God expecting to get. Well, if you think it's wrong to give expecting to receive, quit your job. Does that make any sense? Because the whole reason you're out there giving and giving all week long is because you are expecting to get something you want on Friday or whatever payday is. Y'all not shouting loud enough. You know I'm telling the truth. You give expecting to receive. The God that established the universe is the one that created this principle. And if you can trust your boss to pay you because you first put in the time, effort, etc., why is it we can't trust the God of the universe that established this principle to see to it it comes back to us when we give to him? And the beauty of it is you're the one and I'm the one that controls the return based on my choice and selection of seed zone. If I sow much, I reap much. If I sow little, I reap little. If I sow nothing, I don't even go out and look for a harvest. I believe in the seed time and harvest principle. Amen? All right, so get a job, go to work. Prosperity is never promised for anybody that won't work. Principle number two. And I'm already used up 14 minutes. <laughs> principle number two, get God involved in your money. You say, okay, preacher, I'm saved. Isn't he involved in my money? No, 
You got saved because you did what he told you to to get saved. Now you need to do what he told you to to get God involved in your money. Well, how do I do that? Give him his money. Every one of you that are born again are now children of God. You have promises, and you've already read them with me. God wants you completely free of all financial encumbrance. He wants you to have your own money to operate out of. But the basic fundamental principle in financial blessing is to take 10% off the top of your income and trust him here and give it to him. I said you got to trust him here. Have faith. Believe that when you follow his plan and do what he said, he will do what he said. God said, them that bless me, I'll bless. Them that honor me, I'll honor. Draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Somebody said, God's a good checker player. If it's your turn to move, he waits. <laughs> Amen. So when it comes to getting God involved in your finances, you give him right off at the top 10% of all that you've earned, all your increase, give it to God, then you can step back and pray your prayer. Oh God, I'm running short here. I need help. And God says, all right, I'm going to get involved with your finances and I'm going to rebuke the devil off of your money. You didn't take my money. I ain't going to let the devil take your money. How many of you know you can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow? But God not only can predict it, he can control it. And he will. Two promises are made when you honor God and dispense money toward his kingdom and for his purposes. One is that he'll rebuke the devil so he can't steal it from you. And the other is that he'll make wonders in heaven and pour out blessings on you until you don't have to room to receive it. The Lord spoke to me one time when I was asking why I wasn't prospering. And I'd been a good boy. I'd been tithing. I'd been straight with my wife, never faltered in my marriage vows, had two grown sons. They both loved God and served God, been a good daddy. And I said, why is it I don't have any money? I'm from week to week, that's it. And the Lord just spoke to me, and he showed me something that I'd never seen before. He said, what have you been doing with your money? I said, well, Lord, you know I've been a tither all of my life, tithed on my allowance when I was a little child. I've been doing it ever since. I don't know of a dime of your money I ever kept. And you know how the Lord answered me? He said, good. All of your life, you have avoided being a God robber. That wasn't your money. That was my money. You just weren't stealing it from me. Now, that's harsh wording, but I found it in the Scriptures. He said, you've robbed God. Now, I'm not going to get hard on you here. I just want to tell you that God set up the tithing plan not to take something from you, but to implement the law of seed time and harvest and give back to you according to what you do for him. You bless him, he blesses you. 
some, most of you probably are tithers, but there's some folk that are still, you know, in the learning processes here. And, and, you know, and I'm not trying to place a burden on you. Tithing is not designed to hurt you or get something from you. It's designed to promote the kingdom of God and to get blessings towards you. It gets God involved in your finances. And the God will rebuke the devil, and he won't let the devil steal your money because you didn't steal or take God's money. That makes sense? If you sock somebody in the nose, what's the first thing you expect them to do? Sock you back. Why? Because what you put out is what you're looking for to come back to you. When you smile at people, don't they smile at you? When you put out a handshake, don't they give you a hand in return? You're used to it. Use that same faith in God Almighty and trust Him and honor Him with the tithe. Principle number three, invest without ever taking a loss. They say, oh, preacher, you got a secret? Yeah, I got a good one. Did you know that the best way to invest money without ever taking the loss is to put it into something that God loves and God wants to see done and honor him by promoting his work, and he views that as a loan to himself. Yeah, Jesus taught this. He said, he said uh, uh, love your brother and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. In other words, when you give it to Joe, don't look to Joe to get it back. Look to God who brings or causes the return to come to you. He will give it back to you. I know you're not shouting too much right now, but I'm, I hope I'm making you think a little bit. Because you see, when you tithe, it's just not keeping God's money. When you give, it's, it's giving out of your money. Anything separate or above the tithe is a gift that you're giving out of your money. It's not God's money, that's your money. He left you 90% after he asked for the 10. Can I hear a better Amen. And so when you give out of your money, it's the same thing as a farmer who goes out and hires a man to sow or broadcast his seed in the farmer's field. When the man goes out and broadcasts the farmer's seed all week long and comes in, is the farmer going to give him the harvest or is the farmer going to give him wages? He's going to give him wages. Well, has the man been a seed sower? Sure. But whose seed was he sowing? He was sowing the farmer's seed. That's what you do as a good steward when you take God's money and put it where God said to put it. You're sowing seed on behalf of God. But when you, if, if the farmer or the fellow that's broadcasting the seed wants to get a harvest, he goes and gets his own piece of land somewhere and he, or leases it, however, and he takes his own money, buys some seed, and he goes out there and sows that seed in faith that the investment he made is going to come back to him. And so when the harvest comes up, who gets the harvest? He does. Why? Because he's the one who owned the seed. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying here? Is it coming through? If you own the seed, you have a right to the harvest. Give and it shall be given. Good measure. 
I don't have to go through all those scriptures for most of you. You because you know them well. Apply all of this now to a simple comprehension. When you get God involved in your money and then you learn to invest, you can be sure the Lord said, I will repay. If you learn to trust him, you won't have a problem with that. If you have a problem with that, it's because you just haven't yet learned or decided to completely trust him. Is that too hard on you? If I don't tell you the truth, where else are you going to get it from? You need to get it out of the pulpit at least. Amen. Don't solve something. Just tell me the truth. I can conform if I know what the truth is. So that is the simple truth. If it's your money, you have a right to the harvest. That's where the promise of blessing you till you have no room to receive it starts kicking in. That's the compound return that you get on the seed that you owned and you sowed. So my prosperity really began when I learned that principle and I started giving to God beyond the tithe. That's when mine started. I stand before you today having gotten out of debt. I was bankrupt in 1975. A series of things happened in a trucking business I was in, took me under. I didn't want to face anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I was ashamed. I was at the bottom of the world. I sought God for two years for answers. And the Lord, after two years, began to talk to me. And I, tears ran down my face, sitting in my nest. I said, God, if you tell me these things, I promise I'll do it. I don't care who else does it. I will do it if you'll tell me. And, 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 then, and then, you know, I'll, I'll be glad to teach it. And the Lord began to open my mind, and I started seeing things. And when I did, my life began to change. And I started moving up in my finances. If I had kept a graph, it would have been looked similar to this. Not everything is perfect all the time. Sometimes you have your ups and downs. But if you drew a straight line through it, it would be up all the way. All, my life has never ceased to continue going up financially. Even now that I don't travel as much as I used to, I still see the Lord pouring in blessing, pouring in goodness. I stand before you today completely debt-free. I got out of debt in 1987. I haven't had to borrow money. I got out of debt in 88, haven't had to borrow money since 1987. I've bought everything I've bought since then, just write a check for it. I bought a nice 300 Chrysler. I bought a, I bought a nice uh, uh, little brand new Mercedes. They're all new. Bought a PT Cruiser. I bought a twin engine airplane. I wrote a check for all these things. Bought a double wide mobile home. Put it on our land. Rented out somebody. Wrote a check for it. Don't know what dime. At the time I had it done. Had, I just paid. I'm telling you there's nothing like it folks. If you walk out the principles God's established. It, I'm doing the very things I've been preaching to you so far. And I'm doing even more. Let me take you now to the fourth level. God wants you clear and free from debt. Do you know why? Because he puts it this way. If you're the debtor, the borrower, he classifies you as living a tail lifestyle. If you're the, if you're the lender God and out of debt, God classifies you as living the head lifestyle. I sometimes illustrate that by asking if you ever watched your dog. You watched your dog's head chase his tail, and the tail's running as fast as it can to get away from that head, because the head has teeth. 
tails get bit. The head has the bark. Tails wag to the bark. Y'all not shouting real loud? Uh, what I have to do here, if I possibly can, is make you come to hate the borrowing lifestyle. Solomon, the very wise man that got his wisdom from God, said, He that hateth suretyship is sure. Let me paraphrase that. He that hates borrowing against collateral comes to be totally secure. But as long as you like that lifestyle, you'll pursue it. And as long as you pursue it, you'll live in it. And the head will send you notices in the mail if you get a little bit behind. And he will tack on extra charges. And the next thing you know, the interest rates have gone up because you were a little bit late. Y'all not shouting too loud because it's not shouting ground. This is old me time. That's classified as the tail. I've noticed something. You probably have too. If the dog's head says sit, look who gets sat on. <laughs> because the borrower is servant to the lender. And the rich rule over the poor. You say, preacher, tell me something I can do. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you to get out of debt. I'm just asking you to build the right mindset toward it. And then I'm going to say to you, if it was possible for you to do it, you wouldn't need God's miracles. But since it's not possible for you to do it, and you can't figure it out on paper, God has to get involved. So God steps in, and God brings you out of Egypt when you couldn't get out any other way. God will bring you out of Egypt when Pharaoh's trying to keep you in Egypt. God will give you miracles that overpower the Pharaohs that control you and he will take you out from under their rule and God will bring you out into a broad and a wide place and bring you into a land of abundance and do every bit of it because he is a miracle God and he does miracles today. Amen. God will bring you out of debt. Principle number five, and then I'm through. Develop your storehouse. You can call it a savings account. You can call it whatever. You need to develop your own money. The best way to do this, now you can watch these steps and you can take them in sequence. It's hard to get it's hard to save money when you owe everything plus a little bit more every month when you get your paycheck. So as soon as you can work your way out of debt by following those first three principles, work, get God involved in your money by tithing, then be a liberal soul in your giving and watch God pour the harvest out on you and then do everything you can to get out of debt as soon as you can and then start thinking towards reserves. Build and work and put money back. I keep money in cash in my home. I keep money in two different checking accounts. I have money invested that is earning me money. I believe in having money on hand 
And the only way I've ever written checks for those large items is because I had saved it up and didn't use it all. How many know you could spend every dime you get your hands on? You could. But if you have enough appreciation for the debt-free lifestyle and want to become the kind of lender that God had in mind so that you're supplying for others instead of using OPM, you can and you will get there because the miracle working God you serve has made his promises. He will bring you out into that broad and the wide place. And the next thing you're going, instead of wagging your tail. <laughs>